And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, The Athletic's podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Joined as ever by global Greg Evans and Greg Dizzy Heights, two wins in a row and a phenomenal performance from Philip Coutinho at Villa Park at the weekend. It was a very, very enjoyable Saturday afternoon, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I think that it, we actually had press conferences back face to face for the first time as oh, well. So yeah, it was, it was good to you know, be, be be actually in the same room as Steven Gerrard and speak to him and, um, you know, just, just pick up on his sort of mannerisms from, from um, a really exciting win. So yeah. Lots of positives to take from the weekend. So that would have been the first time you've... Proper- oh no, you went down when he got... Did you go down when he got unveiled? Yeah, so um, pretty much every single pre or post-match press conference has been done via Zoom for the last two years now. Um, but when Steven Gerrard was unveiled officially as the Villa manager, uh, you know all the, all the media, the world media, were welcomed into Villa Park. So we sort of met him face to face there. Um, but that was literally the only time. I mean, it's incredible really to think that, you know, it was the first first post-match press conference face to face for two years. That is mad. But he was great. He was, you know, he was really good. And, and I think obviously the fact that it helped, you know, it certainly helped that Villa won 4-0. Um, but the first question I asked him was, you know, that, that couldn't have gone much better, could he? And, and he said, well, yeah, you know, we could have won six or seven and and we probably should have. So that was just um, a sign of, of how well Villa played on the on the day. Yeah, still got exceptionally high standards, Stephen Gerrard. But he is right because really it could have been 4-0 at half-time. I, I went in at half-time thinking, oh God, we could really, we could have killed that game there and we didn't. But then we blew them away at the start of the second half. Did another podcast in the week and someone made the point that Villa don't often play well for two halves. We're usually quite a one-half team. I mean, it it was very, very comfortable towards the end of the second half and Villa were just trying to look after the result. But that's two good halves from Villa and starting to score goals at really good times. We said that last week against Brighton, but the case again against Southampton on Saturday. And they're no mugs either. I think they'd only lost one in 10 before they rocked up at Villa Park. So for Villa to completely blow them away, it feels again like there might be some progress being made, although I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I've been here before. Yeah, on, on, on the back of that, Dan, I, I agree with quite a few things. The only thing I disagree with, um, and I'd, I didn't pick up on it too much during the game, but having spoke to the manager after, um, he said he was really disappointed with the last 30 minutes. Um, and actually, you know, probably from looking on, okay, Villa didn't, Villa didn't concede. So they protected their, their clean sheet. And, and obviously their four goal advantage that that they had um, built up after what fifty six minutes I think, but he was disappointed with how careless Villa were with possession, how they gave the ball away too often. Um, I think Southampton uh, Villa finished with thirty eight percent possession, which is not really what you'd expect from a four 0 win. Um, and I think that was one of the main things that that the manager wants to work on now in in the weeks ahead, keeping hold of the ball better maintaining possession for longer and actually just being a bit more ruthless um, even when they were 4-0 up. 
I think the game was the game surprised me. First of all, one I couldn't work out whether Villa were brilliant or Southampton were terrible. I think looking back now, it's probably a little bit of a mixture of both. As you said, Dan, I think Villa should have been home and dry by half time. But then the, the two goals they scored in the second half kind of didn't feel like they were fully with the run of play, if you know what I mean. I thought Villa's best moment had passed, yet they went and still got another two goals, which was really pleasing. And then another point to, to bring up is that Villa have got two wins out of two without Buendia, their record signing. And you wonder, is this the way forward for Villa now? It's something I written, uh, wrote at the weekend saying you've got to stick with Ings, Watkins and Coutinho now because that seems to be the winning formula. Yeah, it really was a, a magic triangle at Villa Park on, on Saturday, in particular Philip Coutinho. I mean, we're going to talk tactics with Mark Carey later. He's going to come on the podcast and I'm going to talk to him about tactics a little bit and how Coutinho fits in. But let's hear from Stephen Gerrard now talking about the magic man. He's happy, he's settled, the players and all the staff have made him feel welcome. I knew that was the, going to be the biggest challenge. Can we get him smiling and enjoying his football? The, the talent for me was the last thing to worry about because I know he's a, an absolute top world-class player. And some players uh, are on this planet and when they're at the top of their game, sometimes they're above the game. And um, I thought today he was just head and shoulders, the standout player. He was creative, he could have had two or three more assists, he could have went for goal himself but he puts one on a play for Douglas Louise to score he gets his own goal he's just a world class talent and when he's smiling and when he's happy it's very difficult to stop him he was just incredible especially in the in the first half some of the positions he takes up the way he receives the ball and gets himself on the turn and just manipulates space he's so so good I still can't believe I'm sat there watching him I was sat in a different seat I wasn't in my normal seat on, on Saturday so I did like a different vantage point just watching Coutinho and watching his movement, he's unbelievable. It was such a good performance from him on Saturday. He completely ran, ran the show and could have had a hat-trick, scored a lovely goal, got an assist. But he was just magic all over the park and he's just such a good player, isn't he, Greg? He is, yeah. We'll, we'll get onto your new seat at um, some point in, in, later on in the pod. I'm, I'm surprised uh, you're, you're not over in Ghana with a, with a certain uh, DJ at the moment. <laughs> but, too, I'm too busy, Greg. Okay, too I'm busy. Okay, of course, yeah, yeah. All, the, all those podcasts. How, how could you ever find time to, to uh, get out of the country? Um, you're the global one. I'm surprised you're not there. <laughs> yeah, it's a good boy, actually. Um, now, going back to Coutinho... He, uh, I've not been critical of him, but I didn't expect him to to be quite as good as he has been in some of the games. Um, the Man United game, he came on and he changed the game, didn't he? You know, almost had an assist and then got a goal. Um, I think just his influence changed it. Away from home, he hasn't been great, don't think. Um, Everton, very, very poor. Uh, Newcastle, very quiet. Brighton, he didn't do too much, but he earned the, the praise from Steve Gerrard saying that he worked really hard out of possession and I think he was pleased with him. He does work hard. Yeah, yeah. I think something you wouldn't expect. He, he works hard, but he you wouldn't know it unless you watch him very closely because he doesn't win the ball back very often. And, and, and he's not kind of like that all-action workaholic-like type player, do you know what I mean? But he, but he does work hard. He certainly doesn't show responsibility. And look... You know, if you're asking Coutinho to to be winning the ball back and making blocks and interceptions, then you're not using him to to your advantage, are you? So, the 15 minutes that he had against Leeds, um, 30 minutes until 45 minutes of that first half, he was sensational, and he extended that run for me in the last game. That that 15 minutes turned into about 30, 35 minutes. And he was, you know, during that period, he was incredible. Loves a little nutmeg, doesn't he? I mean, I think he's, I think he's nutmegged a player at least in every single game. The fact that he's got six 
goal contributions already, three goals and three assists in, in such a short amount of time. It's testament to how good he is. And, and, and when we spoke at length with Gerard about him in the press conference after, he said that, you know, he joked a little bit. He said, look, Coutinho was so good at Liverpool that that was one of the reasons why he had to sort of hang up his boots and, and move over to, to America just because he couldn't keep up with him. And you've heard some of the Villa players saying, Ollie Watkins said in an interview after the game, sometimes Coutinho is just a little bit too fast for us. We're, we're, none of us are on are quite on the wavelength that he's on. Um, so I think what we're seeing now um, is, is, is a fully fit Coutinho. And when the rest of his teammates can start getting really fully used to what he's capable of, Villa can be a really exciting team going forward. Yeah, I mean, I don't sound like I'm being disrespectful about my own club and I'm not intending to be at all. But Philip Coutinho, really, for where, for where Villa are, he's a completely different level. He's not really a player that Villa should have, but they've got him because Steven yeah. Gerrard's got and, a relationship and, and, and with him. Look, you know, he's the best, he was the best player on the pitch by, by far. You know, the most talented player on the pitch, the, the player that can produce a moment of magic out of nothing. Um he had that little period against Leeds. and it, These next two games for me are the big ones for him. Um, I think rightly so, Villa fans are getting excited about him and, and are loving watching him at home. Rightly so, because he's been brilliant. He's been really exciting. Let's see if he can do it at Leeds away and West Ham away now because I feel like he needs a good away game. Um, but I'm pretty confident he can. You know, I'm really looking forward to him. Yeah, it's, Villa themselves, you know, if they can back up the next, the next two games after the last two games, then they really will be onto something. But the rest of the team in front of him as well now, like Watkins and Ings, it's taken till the beginning of March for them to score in the same game, which, you know, if you'd have said that to me in July, August, I would have thought, that, geez, we're in trouble if, the, if that's happening. But it finally looks like it's starting to click between those two. And that, just that little change of formation, just playing with the one number 10 and playing with the two up front. You said last week he's got to keep it. It's the same again now, really. He does have to keep that moving forward because it is working. And I actually think having the two strikers and an only one number 10, in a, in a weird way, I think that's making more room for Coutinho because I think Ings and Watkins are dragging defenders around a little bit, which is freeing up a bit more space in the middle of the park for Coutinho. That's definitely how I felt watching Villa on Saturday. Yeah, and I think it's giving Ramsey a bit more space as well. You know, Ramsey can make these runs forward. And that opens up space for runners as well. And I think Watkins and Ings are benefiting from that. Feels like it was just a bit too congested, um, you know, with Ramsey. Mm, yes, yeah, that's, that's a good description of it. I would agree with that. You know, Ramsey, McGinn, Buendia, Coutinho. Okay, they're all in separate positions, but they're all trying to do similar things, aren't they? And it just feels now that there's a bit more width, a bit more freedom for, for the runners. And they seem to be linking up really well. The fact that Watkins and Ings both scored in the same game was a benefit. The fact that Ings set up Watkins for his goal. And not look, we've spoke a lot about Coutinho, but Watkins' goal was absolutely fantastic. Mm. It was a brilliant, brilliant goal for a, for a player who's come under a little bit of criticism from certain sections of the supporters this season. I said, you know, you've got to, you've got to back him, not criticise him, encourage him. And he got his goal against Brighton and... Oh, you know, I knew he was going to go and get another goal against Southampton. That's Ollie Watkins for you, isn't it? He goes on these little runs and I back him to get a goal at either Leeds or West Ham now because typically that's that's what he does. <laughs> you know, he goes on these little runs. So, yeah, it's all coming together. It feels nice. It feels like there's a, a nice balance there. And Douglas Louise, I think, you know, it's worth giving him a shout out because both of us have been quite critical of him, you know, rightly so at times because he hasn't quite produced the performances that um, you'd expect from a, a player playing in defensive midfield. But 
he got his goal and I thought he I thought he did well. And, you know, considering Villa went after with James Ward-Prowse and had a little look at Romeo in the summer, the two of them were really disappointing. They did nothing in the game. I did defend Louise a bit a couple of weeks ago, but I would say Villa have gone a little bit more compact now. The fullbacks aren't bombing on quite as much. So the midfield, central midfielders aren't having to cover cover off wide as much as they are. So the central midfield three is a lot more compact than it was defensively. And we've kept two clean sheets in, in two games. I would say we've changed formation and tweaked things a, a little bit. And you've seen a bit more of the Douglas Louise you remember after lockdown. Not not at those heights yet. I'm not, I'm not saying that for one second, but you've seen him look a bit more astute defensively. I think maybe that's not just... I don't think that's been his fault. I think that's partly to do with the system as well. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, the, the fullbacks aren't bombing on as much. I think, you know, you had Ashley Young there instead of Luca Dean at the weekend. Um, maybe just offered a little bit more resilience in defence. You know, I, I, lo- I love watching Luca Dean go forward. I think his delivery is a, a massive improvement on what Villa had previously. Um, just not sure if he's a better defender than Target or Young yet. You know, only time will tell on that one. Um, be interesting to see if, if he's back on um, if he's back you know, from 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 his COVID issues and Konza um, on the weekend. Uh, sorry, on Thursday. What, what do you do there? Because they, you know, Chambers and Young both came in and did well. You've had your best result of the season, really, probably your best performance of the season. It kind of sends the wrong message out if Konza and Luca Dean come straight back in for me. It's a really difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. I'd find it hard not to put the two of them back in. I just think... No, I no, just think it, it is difficult. Conza's a better defender than, than Chambers in general. Um, and I think Luca Dean offers more than Ashley Young at, right, at left-back now. So, for me, I'd be I'd had have to put the two of them back in if they're available. But I totally get your point. It's a tough one, isn't it? Chambers was good. I'd been not sure of him. It's very early days, so it's very harsh to make a judgment on him after a few games when he's barely played any football over the last few years. But, I, again, different vantage point. He's actually a lot more vocal than I mm. than I thought he was. Him and Ming's constantly talking through the games, trying to get the line right. You know, Chambers was was very good on Saturday. He looked very astute, and also that Paul Merson esque outside of the boot pass for the for the second goal for the Douglas Louise goal. Bit <laughs> in his locker as well, Greg. Didn't know he had that. I have to admit, no, I didn't know he had I'm that. I'm not sure he did. I got I got pretty excited on Twitter when I was describing the goal. I think I uh, described his pass as sexy, which I don't think I've I've, oh, I've, I've used too many times to describe Villa players. Um, I was waiting for you to use a golf analogy. You can't wait to get the golf in. I thought you just said something about about a golf golf swing. It was a, it was a lovely goal, and it to be fair, I mean, it all started with Coutinho. Coutinho sort of built it up, built up the play, and then just made that darting run. And I think yeah, Mark will probably talk a little bit more later about um, the areas that he gets into. But he loves that sort of left half space, you know, like, like same as Grealish. They're, they're, the two of them were so dangerous from that left to central midfield um, space. Um, but yeah, brilliant pass from Chambers. I think he had a slightly difficult start. Just a couple of headers didn't quite go to plan. And I think he he was just struggling a little bit with Brozier at the, at the start, but then um, grew into the game and, and, and was great. He's an animal, Brozier. Mm-hmm. So, so there's not many strikers like him about nowadays with the power and pace. Unusual, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's like, I mean, he's, he's, he's like, he's a, like a Lukaku, player. isn't he? You know, he's very similar in that terms. You know, strong, really quick, got a good finish. He's like a young Lukaku. He's very, he was getting very, very frustrated towards the end of the game. You've already touched on Buendia, the record signing, not being in the team. Leon Bailey as, as well. You know, they're Villa's two big signings from the summer. And you don't really see where they where they fit in now, Greg. Yeah, it's becoming a bit of a concern, isn't it, for Baylor? Um, feel, just 
difficult when you're coming on for 10, 15 minutes a game to make an impact. Um, you know, especially especially when the players that you're coming on for have done so well before and the game's wrapped up and, and you know, he's come on for the last two games where Villa have been trying to hold on to a lead. Well, you know, trying to protect a lead almost, hasn't it? You can look at it two ways and think, well, th- there's not really that much pressure on you because you're already ahead. The game's pretty much wrapped up. But it, it just doesn't, it just isn't quite going to plan for him. You know, Gerard said a couple of weeks ago when I asked him, what can Bailey give you different to, uh, you know, what the other attackers offer, offer for you? And he just said it's his pace, it's his directness, it's his ability to beat players one-on-one, to get round the back and, and, and hopefully create and score some goals. But he doesn't seem to be playing with too much confidence at the moment but saying that it's really difficult when, you, when you've when you only got a short amount of time to show what you're made of can't be fit it's just, he it's, can't be fit this season really it's been a complete write off for it's him it's difficult you know he's had so many he's had so many stop starts and it, you know he, he just needs to focus on staying fit now that's the key for him um, if he can get a couple of starts before the end of the season maybe get a goal or two and then he's got to he's got to work his way into the summer have a really good pre-season and then hit the ground running next season because he can still be, look, he can still be a huge player for Villa. He can still be really important. We've seen that he can do it in the Bundesliga. So, you know, he, he can come and do it in the Premier League. Of course he can. I don't think we're doubting his quality yet. It's just the fact that it's been a bit stop-start for him. Similar to Traore, you know, he's been in and out of the team. in So many injuries. If you think back to Traore's season last season, he, he come up with a lot of important goals at important times and looked a real handful. We've hardly seen him this season either. Yeah, mitigating circumstances definitely for both of them. You sometimes forget Traore exists. Bailey, I'm on to because I just think I was so excited when he came through the door. I knew how well he'd done in the Bundesliga the season before with his his like output being up there with the Bayern Munich wide player. So I thought, oh my god, this is again. I thought this is a player really that's above Villa Station at the moment. So I was really excited for him to come through the door. But if you can't stay fit, you're going to struggle to have a good season because you're yeah. going to struggle to get any kind of momentum at all. And that's exactly what's happened to him. And we, we've seen nowhere near what he's capable of. We've seen little flashes here and there, but we haven't seen consistently what he's capable of because he just hasn't been fit. So he needs to work on getting fit, as you've said. Just before we bring Mark in, a few people asked on, on Twitter about Coutinho and, and getting him in permanently. Have you got any any update around that, Greg? Yeah, so you know, Villa, Villa have a fee agreed with him if they want to sign him. Uh, I think it's €33 million. Euros. So it's just a decision they'll have to make over the next couple of weeks or, or months now. Coutinho has been performing really well for Villa. You know, Johan Langer, Steven Gerrard, Christian Perzo, they're all pleased with him. Um, Barcelona, of course, we know want to offload him. I expect that one will get done unless anything happens between now and, now and the end of the season. Yeah, I think fans are a bit worried about Villa getting gazumped. But I've got to be honest, that's something that doesn't worry me at all. With Steven Gerrard at the helm, the way he's playing, he's happy, he's got a smile on his face, he's getting his fitness back and his confidence back. I, don't, I wouldn't see him going anywhere else if Villa won him. Yeah, I think Villa get yeah the, the big thing for Coutinho was um, he, he, there were there were a few other clubs interested in him. No elite clubs. You know, there wasn't like a Liverpool or, or a Man City sort of willing to take him on um, in the last window. But the, there were other clubs who were interested. The big thing for him was he wanted um, to focus on the, the, the project, basically. He wanted to go somewhere where the club was very ambitious, where they were moving forward and where he could be a part of that and, and, and where he could make a real difference. And Gerard and, uh, um, sold that vision to him. He said, look, you know, we are moving on to bigger things. We want to move on to bigger things very quickly. So Villa can finish with a flourish and, and get closer to those sort of seventh, eighth, ninth positions and prove to Coutinho that 
next season he's going to be even different, yeah, even better because they're going to go even higher. Then he'll he'll certainly want to be around here and you know, understand that he that he's that he's happy here now. Um, got a bit of a relationship with Douglas Louise. I think the family sit together in in one of the boxes, and the, and there's a nice little South American link there as well with some of the other players, isn't there? So he's enjoying his football. He's smiling. Those teeth are on show pretty much every day. It's happy days for him. I think he'll sign. I've got very little doubt that he'll be at Villa next season as it stands, unless yeah. something was to go dramatically wrong. Me too. I, I do think he will become a Villa player. Just hope that it's not one of those deals where you know he's brilliant as a lone player and then doesn't perform as, as, a, as, a, as a permanent player. We, we've seen that across the, the Premier League on so many occasions, haven't we? I don't think that'll be the case. I think he'll, I think he'll actually flourish if he can stay fit. Because I think the issues that he's had previously are just some injuries. And I remember he had a, um, a shot against was it Leeds, I think, or, or one of the home games, and, and he, he kind of held his knee. And I thought, oh no, you know, don't don't be injured. We've, we've only just seen you, so let's hope he can stay fit. Because if he does stay fit, he can be a really big player for Villa. Don't forget you can subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month at the moment for the first six months. To do that, just go to theathletic.com slash villapod. You'll then get full access to all our great writing and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome, Mark Carey, the Athletics Tactics Writer. Mark, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me on again, I suppose. This is my second time, isn't it? Yeah, becoming a little bit of a regular now. And, you know, I wouldn't have wanted you on over the last few weeks but until recently <laughs> because Villa haven't been very good. But they've picked up again over the last two weeks. And the main reason for that seems to be Philippe Coutinho. You've been writing about him for the Athletic. Coutinho is Villa's third highest individual goal contributor already, Mark, which probably says a lot about how Villa's stop-start season has been. Yeah, true, true. He's only played 521 minutes for Villa, but he's already got three goals and three assists. So as you say, that's that's the joint third highest uh, alongside Jacob Ramsey and Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings ahead of him. But obviously they've played significantly more minutes. So it just shows he's sprinkling his magic already. And I think as much as anything, I think Gerard said as much that He's getting back to, to full fitness. He's, I'm a, I'm a data person, but it's it's to say that he's feeling loved as well, I think is kind of true as well. And that obviously then, you know, 
plays out in his, his performances as well. I think if he feels settled, you actually get the best from him um, and his numbers are actually really strong in such a short space of time. Yeah, you, you've looked at his touch map and, you know, he gets around the pitch, to be fair to him, but he, you probably associate him with being more of a drift into that left-hand side, but actually from what you've looked at, he only slightly favours that area, but it's those little pockets where he can do significant damage, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. It's the, it's the pockets where it's between the lines, isn't it? Where you're not quite picked up by the midfield and not quite picked up by the, the central defender or the fullback, and he just finds those spaces, and he has such a great appreciation for space that even if you, then you do get close to him, he'll probably then go and drift somewhere else as well. But yeah, in the in the piece, I, I sort of showed his touch map, and it's really clear that a lot of his touches are kind of in that that half space, which is sort of the area between the the left wing and the, the central area of the pitch. And it's it's known to be a very sort of lucrative area to to create chances from because you've got so many options around you. You can play it to towards the touchline, you can play it into more central areas. And he's he's creating chances in a brilliant, you know, manner, but it's not necessarily just his sort of end product of just those chances. It's I mentioned in the piece, it's it's the pass before the pass. It's creating something yeah. that unlocks the defence to then a couple of passes down the line and the chance sort of comes as well. So I think it would be unfair to just look at him in terms of simply assists as well or even chances created. It's it's all the things that kind of go further back within the, the build-up and the move that I just think are so integral to the way that Villa are playing recently. Yeah, I mean, on Saturday as well, he could have had a couple more goals as well. He could, could have quite easily walked away with, with the match ball. He missed two, what I would say, would go down as, as pretty big chances. So it's not just the assist, is it? It's, it's the goals as well, Mark. Yeah, there was that one as well where I think the camera angle, I don't know if you where you were sort of looking at it from, but oh, yeah, that camera angle looked like it was going to go right in the top corner, didn't it? Just obviously just went wide. But uh, yeah, he could have had far more on the on the day but I think he's yeah this is why he's he's drifting around he's picking up pockets but he's also running in behind as well and I think the the last time I was on was talking about that that Watkins innings dilemma of how yeah. you're going to get them to to play together and uh, trying to work it out exactly what the sort of the formation is but it seems like he is the the one behind the two now mm. maybe drifting towards the left as we, we show from this touch map but it seems to have a really you know Villa seems to have a really good dynamic with him playing in behind but also yeah running beyond those two players as well. Yeah, Villa have switched formation, so we're quite rigid with the 4-3-3 with the two number 10s playing off a striker since Gerrard's come in. But the last two games, which have yielded two wins, it's more of a midfield diamond mm. playing behind the two strikers. And what I noticed quite a lot on Saturday was that Danny Ings would pull himself quite heavily to the left. Mm. And Watkins, who you usually associate with doing that, was pulling himself quite heavily to, to the right at times as well and linking up with Matty Cash. That drags people out of position, which then leaves, you know, the great position of having a number 10 like Philip Coutinho, who is a player that is above Aston Villa's level at the moment, him having the space. And in these indiv in these individual games against teams, you know, you would expect Villa to be kind of fighting with, vying with Southampton. He can make himself become that massive difference because he's just got more space. You've got Ramsey bombing on as well, creating space. And it just felt it feels like but since we changed that formation away from the two number 10s, it's almost like it was a little bit congested. Mm. With Coutinho and Buendia in there, now he's got that freedom with two strikers causing the movement and then Coutinho providing the devastation. Yeah, I think you're right there in terms of the rotation as well. And just simple movement can just pull defences and fullbacks and midfields all over the place. And it, it just becomes more confusing for them. And I think it's interesting that you say that, that Watkins and Ings both pulled wide because then... Coutinho can get it in more central areas or just in that half space as you say and make runs from out to in such that because Coutinho can put it on a, on a sixpence can't he if you make those runs from out to in then they'll arrive on the ball just in in the right areas within obviously in the in the penalty area to to finish so 
I think they've said so many times already that he is sort of operating on a different level that you, all you need to do is make the run and he'll find you. So as long as they keep doing that, I think they've, uh, they're obviously going to do well for the rest of the season. Yeah, again, it's not something that can be particularly measured, mm. but the, the weight of pass. Yeah. His weight of pass, you just know every time he makes a pass, he's going to be spot on. I don't think he gave the ball away in the final third on Saturday. I think I saw somewhere. I could be completely wrong with that, but you know, it's not like if you've got those stats, you could think, oh, he's pl- playing it safe. But he's not. He's trying a lot of things and an awful lot of what he tries comes off, Mark. Yeah, that's true. And that's something which is, from the from the data side of things, from a statistics perspective, that if you look at pass completion, I won't go too much into it because it'll be a, a long old podcast, but you can look at pass completion, but it, it might mean nothing if those passes aren't difficult. You could just be playing it between mm. two centre-backs and have 100% pass completion with no pressure. And the stat itself is kind of meaningless. But when you're talking about someone who's never given the ball away in really lucrative, congested areas in the final third, again, it sort of shows just how quality he is really. And as you say, there's loads of things that you can't quantify with him because he's, the way that he turns and spins is is obviously his scanning. Mm. I think his appreciation for, for space and obviously knowing before he gets the ball who's around him is 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 really world class. So uh, whether or not Villa will be able to to keep him uh, for for next season, I think is the the main question. But I think everyone would say that they'd love to. I'm very very confident with that. I, I don't see anything that can really, barring like a, a disastrous injury, which fingers crossed doesn't happen. I don't see any way in which he's not playing for Villa next season. Now I think that's that's definitely going to happen. It's quite early days in terms of the data that you can look at because obviously I think he's only played seven games. Mm. I think it is the Villa have obviously got a decision to make whether they do so and permanently. By the summer, do you think you'll have enough data for us to be able to have a look at that and, and delve into and look at whether we should? I mean, the Villa fans already are saying, no-brainer, sign him. But data-wise, you'll have a bit more by the end of the season, won't you? Yeah, from my cold perspective of just purely based on the numbers, I do think that, yeah, as I said before, 521 minutes is is not a great deal um, of, of data, not big enough sample size to to be too reliable. A lot of players we've seen in the past have had purple patches. I mean, we know Mm. that Coutinho is quality from, you know, across his whole career, but in terms of this small sample size, you've got to be a little bit careful. But if he, if he plays as regularly as, as I imagine he will, providing he doesn't have any injuries, I do think that normally our threshold is give or take about 900 or more minutes. So I think he'll comfortably reach that if he's not injured. Um, And then we can really maybe do, maybe me and Greg can do a piece at the end of the season just to justify why they should uh, sign him permanently God, I hope we haven't put the curses on him with injury. <laughs> I feel we've brought, brought injuries up too much there and I can got visions of in a way being absolutely slighted because he's injured but fingers crossed that doesn't happen but yeah I would, I would look forward to that piece Mark so hopefully at the end of the season he's had a productive end you've got more data Villa sign him and it's going to look like a, a world-class decision from Villa but thanks for coming on and talking to me today Mark I love talking about Philip Coutinho at the moment obviously anyway but it's always a pleasure to talk to you pleasure thanks for having me on again Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Let's look at any other business now that we've just had to explain to Greg what AOB means. Financial results, Greg, they came out last week. What did you make of them? Um, quite alarming, really, weren't they? I mean, you know, profit and loss sheet shows that Villa have a five hundred and eighty-four million pound loss. Now that's huge because only Man City and Chelsea have a higher loss. Um, so it's a very, very big figure. I think what makes it less of a concern is the support from the owners. Um, you know, in the first three years alone. They've ploughed in £329 million through shareholder equity. So it's essentially their own money that they've put in um, and they continue to support the club. Uh, the question really is, for how long do they continue to do that? You know, because we've seen Roman Abramovich at Chelsea. He was pumping in what, you know, £80-90 million a year just to keep Chelsea competitive. Now, will Nassif Suiris and Wes Edens want to do that? We will only know more in the future. Let, let's hope it doesn't get to the stage where it got to with Randy Lerner, where you know he he felt that he couldn't take Villa forward and and um, he lost his interest in, in in Villa a little bit. Don't think it will get to that stage because it seems like no. there are there are much grander plans and you know the, the the plans to extend the stadium, to build a new academy building, to link up with feeder clubs and help Villa grow. Uh, I think that's the key and, and the the biggest. Plus point, I think, from the accounts was the uh, the increase in the turnover. And it shows Villa are growing now. Okay, we had, we had COVID previously, but hopefully the, the next set of accounts, which will be out in another year's time, will see an even uh, an even bigger improvement. In terms of the turnover, you know, increasing revenue streams, obviously there'll be the £100 million that, that they earned from, from selling Jack Grealish. Financial fair play shouldn't be an issue now because of um, that's 100% profit because it's, he's an academy player. And, and when you think of it, Villa haven't really reinvested too much of that money. You know, they're, they're, they've been quite, not prudent because they, they, you know, they have been ambitious uh, in, in terms of the players that they've bought in as well, but they haven't majorly overspent. So it'd be interesting to see how they, they get on going forward. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they're doing this summer. Money was the owners. I'm the same as you. I don't think the owners will will pull out. I don't, I don't really see them as being like that. They seem very very committed, and we are so so lucky to have them as the owners of Aston Villa. Unbelievably lucky that they came in when they did, and they've done everything they've done since the club, the clubs, and the fans. We should be ever so grateful for what they do. But I remember there was a phase where I thought that about Randy Lerner. So again, as a Villa fan, you got to be careful because you have been burnt before. You just mentioned the Jack Grealish as a former academy player, Cameron Archer continuing to just rip it up for Preston. We've all fell in love with loan players. I'm doing it now with Philip Coutinho. Cameron Archer put out a tweet after he scored again for Preston at the weekend. And if you went through and read the replies, God, they love him. They don't blame him. The guys are just such a finisher. It's going to be really interesting seeing what happens to him next season as well. Yeah, I, I stuck a tweet out myself. I think on Sunday, you know, he'd scored five goals in, in 10 games now for Preston. And it's just, that's exactly what Villa wanted. You know, perfect for Villa. Uh, and perfect cap for Cameron Archer as well, because pretty much every game that he'd been playing in for Villa this season, he was scoring in. So he needed to go and, and prove that he could do it consistently at a high level. The Championship, 
you know, he's, he's a decent standard, especially as a 20-year-old, to go and score five goals in, in, in your first 10 games in the Championship. It's a great it's a great start for him and Preston fans love him. Villa fans want to see him back. It's really interesting now to, to see what happens. He's, look, Villa aren't in a position to loan him to another Premier League team. That, that's not going to happen. It's, it's just not going to happen. Villa aren't in that position. You know, they're, they're not an elite team, so they can't be seen to be strengthening, so to speak other clubs in the Premier League and I don't think for one minute they'll do that I think if Cameron Archer does go out alone next season it will be to another championship club maybe for the first half of the season with with a, with a, with a view to um, coming back in January but then there's a very very strong chance as well that, that, that he mucks in over the summer impresses Steven Gerrard and, and becomes one of the forward players on the bench for next season or maybe even a starter you know who knows I, I think I think he's a good option to have I think Villa will be very, very pleased with with how it's working. It's just a, it's quite a difficult, it's quite a difficult subject topic now, isn't it? What do you do with him? I don't think Villa will sell him because I think that they will now appreciate what they've got on their hands and, and know that they could develop Cameron into a, a fully fledged Premier League player. Well, if we're going to continue to play two up front, I'm not, I'm not saying that we will do that every single week for the rest of time, but you know, it's obviously an option now. Probably need another striker at the football club. Yeah, yeah. If he comes back next season, he can compete with Watkins and Ings. This is it, and you, and you know you've got. It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, people people inside Villa will know how good Cameron Archer is. Stephen Gerrard will know whether you know whether he's ready or whether he's going to be ready next season for the Premier League. You look at it now and you think, okay, do you would you take a twenty year old from the Championship who scored five goals in ten games to be Villa's third striker? You got to look at it like that, haven't you? Because that's effectively what Villa are doing. Or do they go and think, well, you know, we, we could potentially get someone even better as our third striker and bring him in um, and, and and strengthen the competition even further for for Watkins, Ings, and, and Coutinho next season. I mean, yeah, Luis Suarez, he's going to come into the conversation again, isn't he? In the summer, you you tell me. He, well, he's going to be somebody that 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 will be probably on the move, and you know, he's going to be having conversations with Steven Gerrard and Aston Villa. So. You know, someone to watch out for that potentially could be a player who who, who Villa could could perhaps move for. You know, we'll, we'll see. Um, certainly not saying they will at this stage, but it, he'll be somebody that will come into the conversation. Um, you know, I think might come to the conversation if Villa are looking at a striker in the summer. Ariga. Hmm. I can see. I can see that. Klopp raves about him. He's a good, yeah, good finisher, left foot, right foot. Ger- I, I think Gerard might have played with him. I've, I've got a feeling. That's my feeling. I know nothing. That's just a gut feeling I've got. I'm uh, not sure. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, he's done well, hasn't he? When when he's come on in games and and, and he scored important goals for Liverpool. And he'll, and he'll leave Liverpool a legend, I think, in, because he because he has scored some really important goals. But I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he takes Villa forward. But then saying that, if you look, would you prefer Cameron Archer or, or, or Divock Origi? You know, it's a it's a bit of a bit of a match up there, isn't it? What 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 do you move for? But. I'd I'd like to think that Villa give Cameron Archer a go because if they didn't, then I think some of the other youngsters will be thinking, well, what the hell are, what the hell are we going to do if if that you know if, if if Archer's going out on loan, doing really well, scoring goals for Villa when he plays, doing well for the under twenty threes when he plays, you know if if there's no pathway, that's going to um, affect some of the others. So we'll see. It's a, it's a difficult one to really set. It's a really tough one because if he hadn't done very well. 
<laughs> then you'd probably be thinking, well, you know, we we'll send him out alone again and wait for him to do well. Now he's done well. He's made it even tougher. Nice problem to have there. It's yeah. good to have those yeah. nice problems. Yeah. Villa have found players off on loan previously on massive wages who are never going to play for Villa again and just took a hit and just sent them on loan for the sake of it. You know, at least there's something in this. Either way, I think Villa will come out of it as winners. So that, that's a well, good this thing. Is it, this is it, Dan. And I mean, if you if you look at, say, Ar- sorry to button, if you look at like Archer and Wesley, you know, the, there's, there's only one player that's going to come back there out of the two of them and, and perform, isn't it? So. Before we let you go after your press conference that you've got in eight minutes, Greg, last night I put out a tweet, nominations for the greatest ever Villa performance from an individual player. This is obviously off the back of Coutinho's display against Southampton on Saturday at Villa Park. Greg, have you got anyone that springs to mind from the time you've been reporting on Villa? Um, yeah, it's funny we, we were talking about this topic because I was uh, talking about it with my editor as well a couple of couple of weeks ago. Um, I suppose the one that really stands out for me was was Grealish in the in the seven two win over Liverpool. You know, he, he was the first Villa player in history to contribute to five goals in a game. So um, mm. you know that that was certainly one that stood out for me. Benteke at Sunderland was it when they won six one? Um, well, sorry, the home, the home game, home yeah. game, yeah. Uh, that was a big one. Um, Ashley Young against Everton was one that just ever so slightly before my time. Um, he was incredible that day, wasn't he? So um, I think you can touch on some of the older ones, Dan, because you would remember them better than I do. I mean, to be fair, we had all kinds of, of nominations come in. AVFC Dublin lines, a lot of people pointed to this one. Benito Carboni against Leeds in the FA Cup quarterfinal at Villa Park in 2000. It was a great hat-trick that... And then he's also nominated Paul McGrath versus Manchester United in the 94 League Cup final. McGrath, I mean, McGrath's probably Villa's greatest ever player, so it stands a chance that there'll be some great performances individually from him. York away at Newcastle, Matt C in a, in a 4-3 defeat. Villa still couldn't win at Newcastle then. York scores a hat-trick and they still lose 4-3. A lot of Paul Merson shouts in, in various games. Ian Woodcock says about Watford in 2000 at home. Villa won 4-1 and Merson scored a chip and overhead kick. Sean's nominated Ben Teke against QPR in one of the seasons that we very nearly went down under Tim Sherwood. Hat-trick against QPR, scoring a rare free kick in that game. So I don't think I ever saw him take another free kick before or after that free kick, but yeah, 100% record from free kicks for Ben Teke. Grealish in the FA Cup, FA Cup semi-final at Wembley against Liverpool is another one that, that lives long in the memory. A couple of niche ones. Luke Moore at Middlesbrough away, says Villa Callum. Also, Pearson Tombo says Carlton Cole's debut against Southampton in 2004. There's been quite a few niche ones in there. A lot of people say that, don't they? Um, um, uh, that was before A lot of people say he was excellent on his debut. Is that right? And then didn't do well. Yeah, he had that. a good game. Yeah. I don't remember it. I don't remember it being one of the best individual performances <laughs> I've, I've ever seen. To, to be fair, he follows me on Twitter, Carl. Carlton Cole. I'll ask. I'll ask him about it. But yeah, I don't. I don't really. Remember. I remember he scored. You score on your debut. That's a good debut. But I don't know whether you can put it in there as the one of the best individual performances you've ever seen. I remember when you know when we beat Brighton the first season, we came back up and they had ten men, and all we did was give the ball to Grealish. Yes. I remember speaking to him after the game and and saying that was one of the best individual displays I've ever seen because it did the pressure on him because every time Villa got the ball, they just gave it to him and he had to keep going again, going again against Brighton. There was that one. And I remember a Paul Merson one as well when we lost to Leeds in the 2000-2001 season. We lost 2-1, but he was literally playing on his own at times. Yeah, a lot of people say that one. A few people flagged that one up to me in, 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 recent, in previous years, yeah. We lost, but he was like trying audacious lobs from 35 yards. He hit the bar twice in, in stoppage time with two ridiculous shots. And he was just doing everything he could to pull Villa back in. And I remember coming away from that game thinking that was he was just incredible there. But I think that Coutinho performance on Saturday would be up there. He's just... 
I don't know if it because of the individual performance was that good, but he's just so easy on the eye and so easy to watch. Mm. He's so, so nice to watch. I think that's the thing with him, isn't it, Greg? He, he, just, he always has one of those little moments where there's like four players on him that he manages to ri- oh, wriggle out of that on, on the halfway line and, and set up an attack. His, his goal as well, you know, there was there's a there's a still image of like five players trying to trying to trying to stop him, and somehow he still scored. Did it get did it get a deflection though? His goal, yeah, he got a little nick. That's what took it kind of under Forster then. It's still um, his though. But the way he was able to sort of escape from all those defenders in the box and, and shoot was incredible. Um, I think the only real thing that that. The um, the only real criticism is that he should have had a hat trick. Yeah, he should have. Scored. You know, he, the the one on one that he that he missed, gotta score that. And then the one that um, uh, he tried to sort of side foot and he put it too close to to Forster, should have scored that one really. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of people will be having him in the fantasy football team in the next few weeks. I put him in. I had him in for that game. He's very he's very popular on that app, isn't he? I've, I've no, I had a look there the other the other week. I think he's the most popular um, Villa player on the app. So makes sense that he would be great start to his Villa career for Coutinho. That does us for today, Greg. We'll let you run off because, as I say, you've got that press conference. Don't forget, it's just a pound a month for your first six months if you sign up to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash villapod. If you're not subscribed, do go and take advantage of that offer. We'll be back next week. Villa obviously play Leeds on Thursday night, so fingers crossed for another three points. And then we are playing West Ham on Sunday. So yeah, a couple of games for us to talk about next week. Holly should be back with us as well. Holiday Percival. So yeah, she'll be back with us next week. Have a great weekend. Up the Villa. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.